Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 209, Courageous Pastors, the East Coast. Guys, welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast, where we talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone every day. We are coming at you from the lovely WCSG radio studio in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I'm your host, Lori Krieg, and I don't have alongside me my husband. We were joking this morning that... Like, are we gonna? Were we writing his character off for this? <laughs> <laughs> and then we got into like how we could do that. But anyway, in in the, <laughs> I won't say all the jokes. But anyway, <laughs> I do have alongside me my friend and the most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve. Hi guys. Steve, you're here to stay. You're not getting written off. When I say guys, I I, I mean everybody who's joining us today. Everyone in usually the room I'm is talking well. to you and Matt. I know. So Matt had to be uh, had a work event, and so he was unable to be with us. But today we do have a guest with us who's going to help us continue our three part mini series on equipping pastors and church leaders to take the courageous step from conceptualizing the idea of, man, I really got to talk about human sexuality from the pulpit to actualizing that, to making that happen. What is that process? I've said this in all three episodes. I'm going to say it again, but a 2019 Barna study, which I will link in the show notes, said that the top three of four things that pastors feel both pressured to speak about and also compelled to speak about are related to human sexuality. So when I read that, I was like, well, then how do they do it? That's a lot of pressure for pastors. And so I uh, started interviewing people for a paper for uh, my master's program and one that I'm writing for the Center for Faith, Sexuality, and Gender to be completed and published. Uh, And I just when I started talking to these pastors, my heart started to break with empathy and gratitude. And so I didn't want to just keep this to a a paper. I wanted you guys to get to know some of these pastors who really uh, encouraged me. And so our third one for this series from the East Coast is Aaron Henning. So Aaron, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Lori. It's great to be with you guys. So uh, to help us get to know Aaron a little bit better, uh, he serves as the lead pastor at State College Alliance Church. Aaron oversees the preaching ministry, staff development, and big picture vision for State College Alliance Church. Uh, He's married to Amy as uh, she's his best friend and ministry partner. Uh, They're the happy parents of Grant and Max. And in Aaron's downtime, he enjoys the woods and the water, playing music, reading good books, and monitoring the safety of garage inventions and experiments, which is very important. (laughs) I loved that part of your bio when you sent it. I'm like, oh, we got to keep this in. Uh, Can (laughs) you give us a little? We have very creative kids and they they can become a bit of a menace if they're not uh, supervised a little bit. They're getting Uh, older, so they're learning to be a little safer with their creativity. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love that. Very diplomatic and also adorable. Yeah. Uh, so we do have a question of the week from last week. So we want to get to know Aaron a little bit in a lighter side way first and also get to know our uh, audience, our listeners yeah. better, you guys. Uh, so Aaron, what is the best pen to write with and what is the necessary color with which you write things? Yeah. So I, I actually love this question because so I could give you the the pilot G2 for sure. I mean, everybody loves one of those, but uh, <laughs> my staff makes fun of me because when I take like a folder or something, if I've got a presentation I'm doing, I have like 30 pens. I'm, I'm a ridiculous pen person. And, uh, and for whatever, I have no idea who did it, but right before I came in here, I checked my mailbox in our workroom and somebody had placed like a new <laughs> 
like novelty pen or something like that. So I'm a pen guy. I don't know why, but uh, uh, no pen, I guess, is a bad pen. As long as it writes well, uh, I'm an equal opportunity uh, pen writer. (laughs) This is the right question for the right writer. Uh, I uh, mentioned this last time we had a friend, Sam, stay with us from Australia. And I asked him this question. He tries to mimic an American accent. He got a little silly on this one. He got a little silly. Let's go. Hey, Laurie and Matt. Hey, Laurie and Matt. (laughs) That's me laughing in the background. (laughs) Long time listener. Second time caller in. It's Sam from Australia. (laughs) Sorry. Hey, um, well, um, uh, my favorite pen is a biro, a biro, um, which I just looked it up. Which apparently Americans don't know what a biro is. No, it's it's a biro branded ballpoint pen. Um, but in Australia, we just call ballpoint pens biros. So just a simple blue biro. He, Byro. he literally kept saying Byro like 20 times in a row. And I was, and Matt and I were looking, we're like, the more you say it, the more we don't understand I it. I kind <laughs> of love the way he says it, though. Byro. Byro. Yeah. With the, uh, with the accent. I that's, know. It's nice. I actually like the Uniball Vision Elite in royal blue. 0.7. I have feelings about this. Steve, <laughs> how about you? Which listener stood out to I wish I'd brought mine with me. It's basically a... a pen that my church branded and um they're really good uh but as far as uh what the listener said uh i really appreciated uh this gigantic (laughs) treatise uh (laughs) that we got from sarah uh and and you'll just have to go find it on the facebook page i can't read the whole thing otherwise we'll we won't have any time for Aaron. Yeah, we need Aaron. Uh, but your, she your listeners by, have a lot of passion in, in this oh, area, yeah. though, I sense. Yes. She introduces the post with, read it. I have been waiting my whole life for this moment. <laughs> From left to right. And, and she, she includes a, so a, a picture. <laughs> and then she ends it by saying, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Yeah, it was so perfect. So if yeah. you guys want to get our get in on our question of the week, uh, you got to search Hole in My Heart podcast Facebook page and answer our goofy questions. We love hearing <laughs> from you. I'm very happy for your listener. That I'm really happy for her. Yeah. See, you, that opportunity. You guys could have had, had your own offshoot podcast. It's Pen <laughs> Talk. Great. <laughs> All right, Aaron, we ask every guest this question. We, if the gospel is, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. How was that gospel first good news for you? And, and how is it still today? Yeah, that's a great question. And is that a quote from Tim Keller? It sure is. Yeah, I just love Tim Keller. He was one of my heroes for sure. And mm. uh, I've been quoting him a lot since his passing, you know, right. different messages that that I've done. But uh, yeah, the, you know, the gospel becoming good news to me, I, I was raised in a Christian home, um, but it really took me sort of through a season of, you know, disappointments uh, with the church, disappointments even with my own you know, journey and not really understanding how to find Jesus in the midst of the kind of the mess of my own brokenness or just brokenness of people that I would have, you know, I wanted to look up to, but I saw, you know, I saw their own failings and fallings. And I, I wasn't quite sure how to handle a lot of that, you know, as a kid. And so my, um, 
my journey was not so much ever that I ran from God, but I really got very cold and very distant in my walk with the Lord. And I ended up going to Penn State University. That's where I got my undergraduate degree and was really kind of a searcher again, you know, just to like, what, what's life all about? You know, what are we trying to do here on this, uh, on this little blue planet that we live on? And, hmm. um, and as, as I probably hit about 19, I hit a season that I would call my spiritual renaissance. And largely that was just seeing like genuine life of Christ in other people, people that I knew. And it's like, I knew their downside and, you know, I mean, we knew each other well, but all of a sudden I saw Jesus doing something in them that it was authentic and real and life-changing mm. and like worth giving your life to. And um, that just inspired me in incredible ways. And, and, you know, the Lord has a way of bringing us sort of to the end of ourself. And he really did that when I was, was 19. Uh, well, at least he started that process when I was 19. And, <laughs> right. Um, and I, I remember even saying to a friend of mine, I don't know if I can, if I can do this Christian life thing. Um, and I didn't realize how in that sort of admission of weakness, it's like, there is incredible strength that like, you know, the, the, the beauty of the gospel is that I am not able to live the Christian life well. Um, yeah. and yet Jesus is able to do that and more, you know, through me. And so that was kind of, that was probably 19 years old and God really started getting a hold of my life in incredible ways, uh, at that point. Oh, I love that. And how do you still need that good news of the gospel? Oh man, every day. I, I think I, I think the farther along I go in, in ministry, especially, uh, but it's, it's family, it's relationships, it's all of these different areas you know, there's just such a freedom in finding that, like, I am dependent upon the Lord in a healthy yeah. and joyful way, yeah. you know. And so even before I, you know, we do this interview, you know, it's mm -hmm. I don't really have anything of value to offer except that which I receive from him. And so mm -hmm. there's just this joyful dependence that can come when we get that right. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But that's uh, I think that's how that translates into my my life, my preaching, uh, ministry, family, and all of those things. I love it. And I mean, that like kind of brings us to this question and really mm -hmm. what we're going to be talking about here. Uh, how did you know, what brought you to the point of realizing you needed to give a sermon or like a series of sermons on LGBTQIA, human sexuality, this whole yeah. topic? Yeah. So this was um, uh, going back to before COVID, uh, we had been talking with some of our staff and we were talking about just needs we were seeing in the churches. We, we were talking to a lot of marriages that were struggling. Hmm. And so um, sort of the the genesis of this subject really became into saying, like, how do we encourage people in marriages? And then we started saying, well, but if we're going to do that well, like marriage is not the only calling, you know, so then how do we encourage people in their singleness? And so we kind of began to unpack this series. We just called it the the marriage series. But the second half of it, we we began to amass kind of like if we're going to treat some of this subject well, there are hard subjects that immediately become to to come to the surface. You know, right. what do you do about divorce and remarriage? What do you do about cohabiting? What do you do about LGBTQ questions? And so we just sort of designed a second part of this series. We entitled it The Elephants in the Room. And we said, we're just going to do our best by God's grace to open up conversations about things that we think are really important uh, to the heart of God, 
really important in our society today. And we think that the Bible has good things to tell us um, about this journey if we can have the courage to actually have the conversation. And so that was kind of the genesis of that. And so it was multiple weeks, um, you know, some of those easier to preach through or teach through than others, but we gave some good treatment to like, what does the gospel mean to the LGBTQ community? And so that was Hmm. part of that journey. What is the cultural context outside of your church? And I'm sure obviously that's going to be a part internally, but what is that cultural context and how did that affect your sermon prep for this series? Yeah, I mean, our cultural context in some ways, I would say can be a little intimidating because our um, we're uh, Penn State University is in our backyard. So that's a major part of our community. Mm. So on a given Sunday, you know, I'm talking to law professors and I'm talking to, uh, you know, people from the academic realm. Um, That's not all we have in our congregation because in the same, in the same service, you know, we've got farmers and uh, teachers and it's just, there's a, there's a, a wide mix of people, but um, we've got smart people, you know, in our congregation. So to come at something, um, you know, you, I tend to, I don't think of myself as the smartest person in the world, but I really want to be prepared to, to speak intelligently mm. and yeah. to be able to present views that are, you know, uh, defensible and embraceable and, and make sense. Why, why do you draw this line here and not here? And can we kind of talk through those sort of things? So, so in some ways the culture can be intimidating, but certainly knowing, knowing the group you're speaking to is a huge part of, of trying to deliver something well. No mm. doubt. Uh, so, when you decided we're gonna we're gonna do this, uh, we're gonna address you know marriage and sexuality. How did you roll that out? Like even before the series began, like with your leadership and uh, your yeah. staff there at the church. Like, what was that like? Getting them on board and and kind of preparing everybody there in the around the office. Sure. So, I mean, there was lots of staff preparation, and um, we have um, five pastors on our staff. And so I did a lot of like meetings and brainstorming with them. And uh, one of my pastors in particular was really uh, a major part of the development of this. He did some of the teaching hmm. um, uh, in in the series with me uh, on some of the different subjects. And uh, so, you know, there were months of kind of reading and preparation and resourcing and really just trying to get our minds around how do we how do we tackle this thing without just making a giant mess, you know, cause like we don't need more messes and we don't want to, we don't want to add to kind of the, the problem. We want right. to be part of a great Christ centered, um, you know, solution or answer to uh, problems that we have in our world. And so we really tried to be very thoughtful. We really took our time, had a lot of meetings, did a lot of like uh, resourcing and, um, and preparation in that way. Did you, experience any conflict there there's some pastors i talked to who were like oh my word i was overly enthusiastic and my (laughs) elders revolted or opposite side like people self-selecting out and quitting like was there any conflict that you feel comfortable sharing about sure sure i mean uh, yeah i mean there was plenty of of conflict throughout because I, i just think anytime that you are wow i mean anytime that you are trying to take a biblical approach to a really hot or difficult topic there's going to be there's there's just a ton of emotion that is going to 
that is going to surface, you right. know, and probably on both sides, you know, I'll maybe talking a little bit about kind of what we saw in the area of fear, because that was definitely a, a real thing that that we experienced. Huh. And I think part of what I saw as my call as the lead pastor was to try to be the calm voice in the room to say, you know, we actually have a pretty clear grid of who we are and what we believe. What we want to try to do is understand, like, how do we take what we believe and then turn that into like the mission that is before us, you know, because you can you can easily create a position and sort of wall off a position and right. say, like, this is who we are. And, you know, the rest of the world can go to hell. I mean, you, yeah, you, you can right. kind of like do that, but that's that's not mission, you know, so mission is kind of like here's who we are and what we believe, but then like we're drawing this line around our community and saying like, could we convince somebody that doesn't think like we think or like I think as a, as a follower of Christ that there is actually joy and, uh, and reward in the things that he offers us. But that's a whole different subject. Like it's, it's a lot easier, I think, to state a case of this is who I am. This is what I believe than to say, okay, knowing that, how do we now engage thoughtfully? And I, I like to use the word, you know, with whimsically, like, like not taking huh. myself so seriously that I got to push everybody out of the room, but to say, like, could we actually have a life-giving and even joyful conversation around something that might be hard? So hmm. it was wow. those sort of things that we tried to put a lot of, uh, a lot of effort into the preparation side of, of thinking through whimsically that's a new one you know keller uses a lot winsomely i like winsome but whimsically yeah. i like that too because that talks about the heart of god and that sweetness and creativity yeah. and lack of fear yeah can you yeah, I've, seen that. I've seen that in certain people that i admire to say like wow they have a way of bringing up a hard subject and talking you through but it's like you know, the old adage of like, they're, they're taking God seriously, but they're not taking themselves so seriously that they're, you know, jumpy and bitey and defensive and, and all of that stuff. So I think that that does us well as Christ followers, if we can, if we can find that gear by, by God's grace. Would you mind going there where you said, I might talk about some of the fear that came up? Would you mind talking about that a little bit of what stirred? Yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to do that. I, I want to do that um, just a little cautiously because, um, you know, I I love our church. And yeah. so I, I love our church family. And that was part of this journey was, what do you do when you're seeing things differently than somebody else that, that you're trying to love them well, and you're trying to invite them to a discussion? And some people were really open to that. And some people were not. The fear thing, I think, sort of goes like this, hmm. th that I observe, is that the accusation of fear seems to be used by everyone. You know what I mean? Like uh. you would preach about this more, but you are fearful. You know what I mean? Or <laughs> uh, you're not receptive to this because you're fearful. So like mm. that accusation like is really common and, and super unhelpful, you know? So yeah. as soon as you accuse somebody of being fearful, they're now on the defensive, even if they are, they, they might be fearful. But right. I think as soon as you're making that as kind of like a leading accusation, your conversation is pretty stunted, you know, mm -hmm. at that point. Mm -hmm. So, so what, here's where we, here's where we saw that um, in our, in our context. 
there were definitely some people um as we talked about things like human sexuality definition of marriage um that they almost wanted to say like i don't think we should be talking about this here like the bible's clear on that we, you know why but but to to miss that in my opinion was to miss though the mission like no yeah. i know what you know uh i know what you believe but let's talk about your neighbor who thinks differently and how do you have a meaningful conversation with them so that trying to help people kind of overcome some fear on that front um that yeah so I, my mind's kind of going a little different direction because one of the things that came out of this was i don't know if you want to talk at all about uh, a certain uh mutual friend of ours that has been Aww. part of our church our best uh, friend greg coles yeah yeah, yeah. Greg Coles, who's an author and has been, he was part of our staff on our church before he moved to, uh, out, out West, uh, to Boise and, and, uh, doing the work that he's doing out there. Um, but his, you know, presence was, it was difficult for some people to, to get their mind around, like, how do we navigate this? And again, that that's where we saw some of that fear. Cause it was mm -hmm. like, Hey, if we could sit down and talk in the same room, we're actually going to be a lot farther along. Um, and, and you'll see why, uh, I deeply count him as a valued brother in Christ and, uh, and a wonderful, uh, servant of the Lord. So, um, anyway, we can talk about that if you want to, but if that's taken us a direction that is maybe a little off the, the subject or the beaten path that you want to go, that's fine too. Well, I'll just pop in and we'll, we'll see what shows up. Yeah. <laughs> is, Edit as needed. <laughs> what I appreciate about your even mentioning him and I could, we could just like pause for 10 minutes and like insert lament music is, you know, even my own experience with myself and my story, my being in the same room as some people who are on either side of this conversation is for them. Another fear in the same category of you say this and it's done is I feel unsafe. You, the yeah. second you throw that out there, you're making me feel unsafe. You're like, okay, well, now we're done. We can't talk anymore because you're unsafe. Right. That's like the Trump card. Yeah which it would be another conversation to talk about the trump card but so i i just want to say thank you for even alluding to greg because he is someone if you guys don't know him greg coles he wrote the book single gay christian and so he was a part he connected me to you aaron and as someone yeah. he deeply admires as one of his friends and so what i'm hearing you say is greg is our friend is a part was a part of our church and his presence and probably even his writing the book was a challenge to your church community, especially if what you're saying is what happened is people who are like, why would we even talk about that? So right. let, let's go there for maybe one more question as far as sure. uh, what did that tension feel like? And what was a path forward for people, for other pastors who have people like me, not just who are public, but who are identify as LGBT and are surrendering this to Jesus how can we have a a table conversation? Uh, and so how did you do that? How can we talk yeah. about this? Yeah, I, I would actually love to talk about that because what, what I found and what I learned um, kind of as I went through uh, some of this journey and have gone through some of this journey is that, you know, fear is a real thing for sure. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And again, starting with, you know, accusations of fear is probably not helpful, you right. know, but to try to be a calm voice and to say, as clearly as you are able, this is this is uh, what we believe, you know. So we can kind of create that safe space of like this is what we believe, 
this is what we're trying to accomplish Mm -hmm. by either walking with somebody who is different or believes differently um, or is simply like, you know, in like Greg would sort of joke around, we would joke around a little bit about how he was kind of this unicorn, you know, because I, I had spent a lot of time in my own journey, uh, even with my family, um, sort of making this case that I believe it is possible, um, to live a life that's surrendered to Jesus, even if I'm dealing with, um, LGBT, if, if, if LGBTQ is how I identify, I believe there's a way to surrender my life to Jesus and still live a happy and joyful life in him. Yeah. And so many people that I knew said, no, that can't be, it's got a, it's a, this dichotomy of one or the other. And uh, when I met Greg, in some ways, he was the answer to that question. He was the, he was the answer that I, I believed was true. Mm. And I think since his story has been told, I've met lots and lots more people who are in that similar kind of space of saying, I'm growing with Jesus, I'm surrendering uh, myself for the joy of following Jesus, Yeah, which is, which, you know, listen, that's not a gay straight thing. That is a right. human thing. Yes. And yes. so we would say this to, you know, you know, when I would talk with people, I would just encourage them. I said, I think he is trying to do exactly what you are endeavoring to do as a mm. Jesus loving person which is to take all the things that are <laughs> twisted and broken and messy. You know I mean? This is, this is our condition. And in our brokenness, we come to Jesus, we find wholeness, we sacrifice to pursue him. Um, and, and that's exactly what, what Greg is doing. So when people would allow me to have that conversation with them, it was actually a, a very glorious and oftentimes really good thing. And the times that people weren't, it, it was very rare actually. Did some people, you know, there were some people that left our church and some people that we just had to say, hey, I think we're just not able to see, uh, uh, you know, they weren't able to see value and what we were endeavoring to do. And so we tried to speak blessing and then and then move forward. So sitting down, though, creating the space and saying, can we (laughs) if Matt was here, he'd be like, let's start with I feel this way and bring it to the table. Was that kind of the the setup for it was let's have an in-person conversation with people who are opposed. Was that the actual moments? Yeah. I mean, anybody that asked for a sit down conversation, we, we did that. I did that. Okay. You know I mean, that was a, yep. let, let's sit down, let's try to reason together. Let's understand where you're coming from. And, and even there, you know, the advice that I had just said before about like not accusing somebody of being fearful like that, that works both ways. You know what I mean? So that like, when I, when I genuinely believed, and at times I did, that this person is feeling a very real sense of fear, um, that perhaps the church is losing its sort of theological rigor, or we're losing to some kind of cultural uh, sellout or something like that. You know, I would really try to gently acknowledge that, like, I, I understand that you're feeling uncomfortable with this. Um, but we're trying to come to a place of understanding how do we as broken people really pursue Jesus well. And, um, there was all, you know, again, Greg was probably one of the biggest factors in this whole equation in that I knew what his heart was, you know, he wasn't trying to say, this is who I am. I'm going to do whatever I want to do with my life. Mm -hmm. He was trying to say, this is a this is an honest assessment of who I am, but my top priority is to follow Jesus. And I just said, you know, to our leaders and to anybody that would be curious, like, 
those are people we walk with that that's us that's me you know what i mean like people that we want to go forward in christ i'm not going to turn people away from our church who are endeavoring to do that i just shame on me if i do so mm-hmm. that was kind of how we tried to have those honest kind of conversations and oftentimes again i, I don't want to paint a dismal picture oftentimes that it was met with very receptive and, and open hearts but you know there's always going to be some people who feel like this is just this is hard i'm not used to talking about sexuality uh, in a church context. Wow. So going back to the preparation stage, Aaron, uh, apart from obviously, you know, doing the, the, the study and the, the, you know, hermeneutics and the homiletics and all that, like what was preparation for your heart and, you know, just like your emotions, like what, what was that process like for you in anticipation of this? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm talking a lot about fear. I mean, I had to deal with a lot of my own fear in this and <clears throat> I don't, I don't know that I can fully, um, explain all of the things that I felt, but I will say that in speaking publicly, uh, on, on this subject, it was probably the most intense spiritual battle I have ever felt mm-hmm. um, in the realm of preaching. Wow. Um, and so, and it, it wasn't because of a lack of preparation. It was, you know, it was just, there was just this incredible weightiness um, uh, to that. And I, I don't know that I'll need to um, expound upon why I feel that is, but <laughs> I just will say that was part of the experience. And so yeah. grappling with my own fear and grappling even with the sense of, um, you know, let's be courageous in at least having the conversation. Um, and I, and I said this publicly at different times, you know, even if we get it wrong, if I preach it wrong, even if I, you know, if I don't, if I don't nail it perfectly, I think it's still better that we're trying to have a conversation that I think matters. Um, so, so trying to take that approach, I think was helpful and maybe help me deal with my own fear a little bit. That it, it's not up to you to defend God's words. Right. And at the same time, we've said this in even the first episode in this little mini series is you could scream that. I mean, I'm just going to say what it is. Like you said, I could yeah. put this truth in an isolation chamber and well, we just got to yeah. deal with it and you guys can just deal. So you're not saying that, but you're also saying the gospel's good newsiness is not up to you. Right. Jesus yeah. carries that weight. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Hey, one other thing that makes me think of sure. that I, that I definitely experienced this and I've, I've articulated this on this subject and others is that there are times that I'll say to our, our congregation, um, Hey, you know, the, the act of preaching is essentially a monological sort of thing. You know, there's this, it's a one way sort of street. Uh, at least the way that we do it, you know what I mean? The, mm-hmm. You might be able to yell an affirmation or something, but it's not like a, it's not, we're having a dialogue. And so I, we do acknowledge that this subject um, and probably many other ones really do well to have dialogue. So what we would say is like, let this kind of monologue be a starting point uh, so that we could then pick up in a dialogue uh, with like how you're responding, what you're receiving, what you're hearing, what you're misunderstanding, you know, all of those sort of things. I I, I think that preachers need to do that maybe a little more, hmm. you know, just acknowledge that like, yeah, we can make, we can tell you a, 
a stance or a position on something, but let's acknowledge that that's a monologue. Uh, and some things really do require um, dialogue, even like what we're doing right now. I right. Mean, you, in this format, you can say that didn't make any sense. Like, you know, <laughs> I mean, like unpack or back that up. Um, and so we really invited that um, and, and people took us up on it, you know, and I'm, and I'm glad they did, even when they disagreed. Wow. Um, I would say, hey, we're having a dialogue, you know, and we might not leave this. <laughs> it doesn't sound like we're going to leave this with an understanding, uh, but we're having a dialogue. And I, I actually think that's that's good and definitely better than just kind of festering or becoming divisive within the church or something like that. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. So for you, as you were prepping, what was critical for the sermon series? Like, you know, I guess specific things where you're going to have testimonies, where you're going to cover major human sexuality. What what was critical for you? Yeah. So I think, um, you know, in the preparation, we we wanted to be well enough researched and try. So here's probably the, the simplest way to answer that question. Um, it felt critical to present opposing viewpoints without just creating a straw man argument. Mm. That is so mm. easy to do. And I think that we mess that up a lot too, as preachers, yeah, you right. know, like you can just, you can just present this like, you know, obnoxiously extreme view of your sort of opponent and then lump everybody that's sort of to the right of you or left of you, you know, wherever he's lump everybody to the side of you there. Mm -hmm. And then you look really balanced and fair. Um, (laughs) And I think that's just a mistake too. So I think to just say without, um, again, without compromising, yeah, we have lines in terms of what we believe and boundaries that God has given us, but let's, let's try to avoid creating these sort of straw man um, examples of, you know, this is what, if you don't think like me, you are obviously thinking like this. Right. Um, and so we really tried hard not to do that. I'm not certain that we, we crushed it, but I, I think we tried very hard not to do that. Don't you love hearing his contextualization, Steve? We'll, <laughs> yes. talk, we'll talk about this after, but I'm like, oh my word, just doing these back-to-back interviews mm. with pastors is so refreshing for me and my little like Ooh. cultural, uh, little heart is just beating a flutter because I love how you contextualize <laughs> mm-hmm. for your academic world while right. also uh, being aware of the farmers in your audience. It's so mm-hmm. yeah. wise. Yeah. Uh, all right. So Aaron, um, we're curious, like, how do you think it went uh, overall? Yeah. And I mean, you've talked a little bit about some of the conversations that you've had and, uh, you know, just some of those, you know, awkward dialogues maybe, but like, the, as far as feedback, was there positive as well as negative? And like, what was like, did you feel like, was there a cost to you in this? And mm-hmm. as you look back, is there anything you would do differently? Like, how do you feel now on this side of it about how it yeah, went? Those are, that's a great kind of series of questions there. Right? <laughs> right. And I would probably, <laughs> I'd probably say this, but for, for, first of all, there's always things that we can do better. You know what I mean? So there's, there's, I don't think I've ever preached any sermon right. series on any subject that we said, Hey, I think we, we totally crushed it and nailed every aspect, you know, because there's always just greater nuance. God's word is rich and and there's new things that we learn. So certainly that the, the one piece I would definitely say is let you hear negative feedback louder, right? So sure. somebody says, you know, 10 people say, I love your podcast. And then one yeah. says, I could kind of take it or leave it. And then you mm-hmm. feel bad about that one. So like negative feedback hits you more 
obviously then, but I think if I'm honest in the assessment, like the great majority of the feedback was positive. Mm -hmm. And the, and the most positive feedback that we heard was probably two things. One, we're glad that you're able to articulate where we stand. Like there's a certain reassurance, you know, when you hear somebody talking and you go like, okay, but where are they actually coming from? Right. So like you find sort of a, you find a resting point when you say, okay, I know where they're coming from. And so I kind of know where I am in relation to that. So I think we were able to do that in a way that was helpful to some people to say, okay, we understand where you're coming from, where we're coming from as a church. Um, But the biggest thing that I heard was simply people saying, we're really glad to have this conversation, mm. you know, because especially, I, I, especially then there were a lot more people who were saying this is everywhere. It's all around me. And I do not feel equipped. I don't really know how to have a, a spiritual conversation. And I definitely don't know how to have a missional conversation right. with somebody who wouldn't think like uh, me or somebody that's just not a follower of Jesus or whatever. So I think that was one of the most profound things I heard was just people saying, I'm just glad we're having the conversation. You know, I, I may have, I may still have more questions than answers, but I'm really glad we're, we're having the conversation. Um, so that, you know, and I was glad for that, you know, that made me feel, feel good that we were having some, we were talking about things that were meaningful to people. It's mm. good. Can you talk a little bit about the cost on your person? Mm. I had several pastors mention the letters PTSD yeah. <laughs> in sharing. So whether it's diagnosable or not, but just like that, it was costly. It was intense more than anything else. Like what was the cost on you? Yeah. I mean, there, there was definitely a cost. Um, you know, there's a stress, uh, there's a stress and a strain that ministry has, um, preaching has, you know, I've, I've yeah. actually found that to be a, a costly thing to do, you know, which is, you know, getting back to some of my original comments when I was saying like, there's this joy in saying like, Lord, I know that I can't change hearts and change minds and I can't build your kingdom. And and yet if you want to do something through me and you give me the words to say, like there is a, a joyful surrender to that, that yeah. I think helps cut against that grain of sort of a self-imposed, like I've got to fix this or I've got to lead this or, you know, yeah something like that. So, th- but there is a cost to it for sure. Um, there was probably a greater cost in our context uh, and yet a lot of these things sort of unfolded in similar time frame um there was greater cost to just people that felt like um they were concerned about greg or they didn't know how to process why why would we have him in leadership at the church if this is who he is etc cetera, etc cetera. um and so yeah there was a cost to that in those conversations but um I would say it was a cost worth paying too, mm-hmm. um, because I think where I think where we landed as a church and even where we are as a church um, is probably a healthier place uh, than where we were. <laughs> so sometimes, sometimes hard things are worth going after, you know. Yes, exactly. So I totally hear you saying that, and I'm thinking about uh, you know pastors that are listening to this mm-hmm. podcast right now, and yeah. can you talk a little bit about just that? the cost and the worthiness mm-hmm. of it. Like uh, they're terrified, terrified, but they know that, you know, this is probably the direction that, that they need to move in. And like, so like, what would you say to them if you could just sit down and have a conversation given now your experience with doing it, how to yeah. encourage them to take that step? 
Yeah. I, I would probably say a couple of things. I mean, just being super intentional about like, what goals are we trying to shoot for? And this is something our staff, I've talked with our staff about at times I feel I didn't actually, I didn't feel this for this subject, but there have been times where we're tackling something and it just feels like, I think we just moved too quickly. Hmm. You know, like we tried to do in three weeks, which might, we might need two years, you know, to like really kind of cultivate soil and prepare hearts and really think through deeply, uh, assuage fear, all of that kind of stuff. Um, so I think I would be very intentional if I was talking to another pastor to just say like, make sure you know what goals you're trying to shoot for. And again, distinguish between what is like building that little box of this is what we believe that is an important discussion, but it's just not the same as, as how do we now take what we believe into the world that we're called to love and, and be on mission intentionally. Like those are, those are two important, but different things. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think just like the intentionality, I would really encourage that. And then, you know, just knowing your congregation a little bit, knowing your audience a little bit, have conversations, sit down and talk with people, talk with people that you know and respect in your congregation and say, hey, you know, it seems like we should have like a, a greater dialogue around this. I've been thinking about doing some preaching on this and and just begin to engage in some conversations so that like you can, I don't know, help, you, you know what you're getting into, you know, because how much better to stand up in front of people and say, when I talk to our congregation, mm-hmm. the biggest fears that I hear are this. The biggest concerns I hear are this. The biggest questions I hear are this. Well, now you're you're speaking their language and you're you're actually addressing um, that. So I think that's an important thing. And then um, you know, just being the being a calming voice as best as you are able. <laughs> like not every not every pastor is gifted the some same way. Some are more prophetic in their edge. Uh, some are more pastoral in their kind of comforting heart. I am a more pastoral leader, so it's not super hard or stretching for me to sit down with somebody who hates my position and say, oh, well, tell me what you think. Help me understand what you mean. Like, I realize I can do that part well. Sometimes I struggle to have maybe the prophetic edge that I need to have. So everybody is is different, but you need to know who you are. And if you if you do skew on a more prophetic an edgier kind of part of the spectrum, then probably it's more important that you build in some people or some mechanisms to buffer that hmm. so that you're not just kind of blasting and and forgetting the people, forgetting the heart um, involved. So can I say one other thing? I know I'm rambling yeah. a little bit. Can oh, I yeah. say one other thing? Please. Like, like for me, when we talked about the gospel and LGBT uh, community, um, I said things like, can, can you please be aware that what you may be thinking about or speaking about in this sort of theoretical or abstract way where it's very easy to be like, well, this is stupid or that's wrong or that, whatever, like this is real lives of people. You know, this is, this is genuine, like hurt and pain and people and like Jesus loved people. In, in those places, you know, so like, it, even if we don't, even if we don't nail it, if we can at least try to be loving towards somebody who is hurting, that seems like basic Jesus 
following, mm -hmm. if not basic humanity, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. trying to personalize the discussion and not making it just this like sort of theoretical or abstract kind of thing. Mm. So wise. And mm -hmm. I know that there's pastors listening who are like writing down every word as they're considering this. Any last uh, encouragement? We have an epidemic of under encouragement for pastors. So any last words of encouragement for them and people who are trying to navigate these murky waters right now? Mm. Yeah, well, I would just say um, I deal with lots of, uh, of my own insecurity and my own challenges. And um, I don't. I don't like to mope about how hard ministry is because a lot yeah. of people do a lot of things that are hard. You know, pastors mm -hmm. aren't the only ones, but um, pastors do have some some special challenges before them. Uh, yeah. And when I hear people like John Ortberg and other people that I respect saying it's probably never been harder mm -hmm. uh, to follow this vocation, but there's probably never been more opportunity for kingdom building yeah. um, in a culture that is genuinely looking for truth and is genuinely looking for something uh, to build their life on. Um, so, so not giving up, um, even when you're in the middle of that conversation that is just, you know, hard and excruciating and ripping your heart out kind of thing, um, to, to not give up in those moments and to, to keep going um, you know, get help, get accountability, get people around you to encourage you. Um, but, but not giving up every time it gets hard. I, I would quit twice a week and, and most <laughs> of us probably would, um, yeah. if that was the case. So mm -hmm. a little bit of uh, fortitude. And again, coming back to that place of just saying, um, Jesus can provide what we need, uh, to minister well. And so that's, uh, it's an important calling. Let's, uh, mm. let's go after it. Man. Good. Thank you, Aaron. I mm -hmm. think you just, put a little boost of adrenaline and hope and kingdom mindedness back into the hearts and minds of pastors and lay people like us yep. uh, who care about the church and are on mission with pastors. So thank you awesome. so much. Thanks for what, you do, what you're doing, guys. And thanks for encouraging me a little bit today too. Okay, that was great. Mm. Highlight for me was when I like broke the third wall or added a wall. I don't know. I added the third wall and I was like, Steve, this is amazing. Are you saying what I'm saying? That was my highlight of yeah. his contextualization in his field and his world. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also really appreciate like just being in the middle of Pennsylvania yeah. where there is this university, but also very, you know, like rural uh, people as well. And what he said about um, having uh, truth so we know what we are about and what we stand for so that we can engage yeah. not so that we can cloister so we, yep. so we can have ourselves in a box and you know that's it yeah I, that's I really appreciated that yeah oh man uh, guys next week we do have a question of the week because we love hearing from you <laughs> it's another dumb one I'm sorry guys what <laughs> what time of day do you always look at the clock and it perpetually feels like that time of day every day. For me, it's 9.15 p.m. The kids are finally in bed and I go, oh, and I just sigh. And I'm like, oh, look, it's 9.15. Steve, you have a consistent time. Uh, yeah, it's 7 p.m. That's when the afternoon show is done <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm headed home. 
I wonder if we're going to see that theme of when we can finally sigh at the end right, of the day. Right. Oh, man, guys, thanks so much. We want to hear from you. You can look up the Hole in My Heart podcast Facebook page and answer that question. And if you like it, if you like this podcast, please take the time to rate and review it. Thank you again to our courageous pastor, Aaron Henning, for joining us today. Thanks to WCSG, our Zach of all trades, and his amazing intern, Delaney. Uh, for all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast, we'll see you next time.